back to another Voice of X after a very long hiatus. Wasn't sure if I was going to get back, but and a lot has happened in 20, and 2021, I guess, is coming to a close. Just the whole last two years has been just an absolute blur, to be honest with you. But um, and we're going to cover on some of that, hopefully, over the coming months here on this podcast. But let me just start out by explaining why I kind of stopped podcasting back in, man, I think it was a January, right? Well, I mean, I kind of really started to feel like I just wasn't making any kind of impact. I wasn't, it just wasn't, nobody was, I was spending a lot of time doing these podcasts. I mean, I was writing these basically 20, 30 page essays, sometimes less, sometimes 50, sometimes as many as 30 pages doing all of this research and and at the end of the day just didn't really feel like it was getting through to anybody um i got tired of debating constantly i mean i'll be honest with you maybe when i was in my 20s i would have liked uh, you know arguing for sport was a lot of fun but now in middle age it's just not it's just no fun um and the honest to be honest with you uh, i can't seem to have a rational debate anymore when the other side is all about their feelings and their emotions and their passions. I'm not denigrating those in any way or degrading them, but in a debate, we need to come with with reality, with facts, with data, and and come to a, a rational decision. Not that you don't necessarily take feelings into account to a certain degree, but that's all they bring into it. I was just getting worn out and beaten by all, just beaten down by all of that. Um, plus, honestly, um, there's been a lot of gaslighting going on over COVID and over oh, the, oh, Trump and January 6th and everything else. I mean, lie after lie after lie. And people just believe it. They just believe it until they just, they're told this until they don't even know what to believe. Well, they're just blindly following. And I was just getting really worn out, really tired. And to be honest with you, I'm not really any less tired now than I was then. But um, moving on with that, I, I'm kind of brought back to, I don't know if you have listened to the episode where um, I interviewed Sylvika about her family and her uh, her family's uh, defection and, and, and fleeing from communist Romania and coming to the United States. And she made a good point at the end um, that we need to pray, speak up, and educate. Praying, absolutely. You should pray every day, all the time, throughout the day. Pray for our country. Pray for our church. Pray for him. That We should pray about these things. First and foremost, it should be prayer, bringing these things before the Lord. We should speak up. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. It's important to not be silent. To just Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and you're going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. That's just the way it is. But the educate part, that is what I was having a real hard time with. Again, I said I was writing these, these essays and doing all of this research. Education's difficult. Uh, you actually can't be taught anything. We call our instructors teachers, but they're really not teaching you. They're, it's hard to explain. I studied martial arts, started at a young age, and then left for a little while, and then came back to it. And my, when I came back to it, I came back to a, um, a family-taught style of, of Chinese boxing. And my instructor, my Sifu, had, had asked me one time, you know, what do you expect from coming here? 
what do you expect from, what do I expect from him? And I said, well, I expect him to teach me. And he stopped right there and he whacked me. He had a, a stick that he would whack you with when he got the wrong answer. No, I can't teach you anything, he said. It's up to you to learn it. All I can do is guide you to the information. That's it. And now I'm paraphrasing. He may not use the exact words, but that's true. I, you, I can't teach you anything. You can't be taught anything if you don't want to learn. And that's what I, one of the greatest obstacles I'm finding is the desire to learn anymore is just dying amongst people. They don't want to learn. They don't want to be challenged. They only want to have this myopic view of life. And, and to a certain extent, they don't even want that. They, don't, they just want to be told what that view is. I mean, they, they, they call us... Uh, they call, I should say us, they call it on the right, or especially Christians, as being this, you have blind faith. I don't have blind faith. As a matter of fact, Paul in the Bible says, he, when he was preaching to the Bereans, they went home and they searched the scriptures to see if what he said was true. And he, 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 he praised them for that. This is important. It's important to not just take things at face value. When you go to church, you shouldn't even just take your pastor his sermon at face value, search it out for yourself. We're encouraging the scriptures to search it out for ourselves. We don't have blind faith yet. I'm finding people, all they do is because doctors or scientists or entertainers, they may have certain letters after their names and credentials that they should just be believed blindly. Don't do any research yourself. Oh, you're doing a Google research online. Oh, whatever. It's just ridiculous that they take it, they, they accept these 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 let me slow down a little bit. They accept all of these notions blindly based solely upon the letters and the credentials after somebody's name. So all of these things were getting extraordinarily frustrating to me. And I just couldn't... Man, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Not that I couldn't. I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I was tired. So I stopped. And what have I been doing since then? Reading mostly, um, mostly reading my Bible. I read it every morning before I start my day, um, line by line, precept upon precept. I, yeah, I read one book of old, and when I finish the Old Testament, one book in the Old Testament, I go to a read a book in the New Testament. I also do some topical studies. Um, I also have been staying up uh, on current events, reading a lot of a lot of news. Uh, still looking at a lot of data, facts, and data. Uh, just because that's what I'm into. I mean, I like to be able to look at things and make a decision based upon reality. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people. Um, well, maybe not a lot of people, but people I come in contact with and trying not to argue with them. Trying not to. I've been so conditioned to debate right away, and I hate debating, And this, but I've been conditioned to do it. <laughs> and um, I've been trying to just listen. Tell them what's your opinion on this. I'm not going to judge you. I don't. I don't have an argument. I just want to hear what your what it is, whether it be on vaccines or masks or, or January sixth or 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 the current state, the uh, inflation, whatever it is. It's, what's your opinions on these? And just listen, um, and, and and let it kind of challenge my uh, my own views to see if maybe you know. I mean, this is this is good. You should have your views challenged, um, and if they're they come out unscathed and they're stronger than they were before. So it's important to listen to, to these things and to be challenged. Um, but I decided to kind of come back for a couple of reasons. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Don Jans. Um, hopefully maybe we'll be able to get him uh, 
on an interview on this podcast here eventually. Um, I think it's my grandchildrensamerica.com. I'll put it in the, in the description, but I believe that's it. I had talked to him at length, actually. He made a good point that, you know, even if you only reach one person, you need to be a voice. Um, so maybe I've been being selfish uh, about not podcasting, about not trying to get this out there. Um, so uh, I kind of decided, maybe it's really started me thinking, maybe I've done a, maybe that's me. Challenge my notion on what is really important. What is important now? What do I really want out of this podcast? If so, um, and then so I began around that path. Of, well, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to do this podcast? Is it going to be the same as before? Is it going to be different? And then to be honest with you, I was at my hairdresser, by right? you know the woman who cuts my hair. Um, like I said, I talked to random people about these things, and she's a Christian. She's very nice, and um, but we were talking about about uh politics in the church and she had me mention that she doesn't think pa- the pastors shouldn't be in po- into politics and she's like you know should they i mean i don't think that they should be and that really got me to thinking a lot um i mean the word politics it comes from the greek word polis which means city state or community the current definition of politics is activities that relate to influencing the actions and policies of government. Looking at those definitions, heck yes, the church should be involved in politics. Yes, Christ should be at the center of your political leanings, beliefs, and adherences. I mean, absolutely. That doesn't mean I think that your pastor should be telling you, should be... Definitely should not be up there, uh, you know, um, campaigning for a certain candidate. I don't think that, but Christ should be at the center of, of it because it, because politics is, is how you're, the activities that relate to influencing the actions and policies of government in your community, state, and, and neighborhood, city. Yes, Christ should be at the center of all of that. Absolutely, your pastor should be talking about that. So again, taking something that I was challenged with and some thoughts that she had and, and putting to the test. And find, Yeah, no, we, absolutely. So this is kind of where I'm at. I, I've really come to the realization that I can't argue through intellect. I've tried. I've tried and all it is is this frustrating debate for sport. That's it. And people don't want to hear it. They, they just refuse to hear it. I can't force them to be educated. All they want to lean on is their feelings, their passions. These are all irrational. And so I really found that I thought that I needed to go a little deeper than that. Romans 10, 14, Paul said, How then shall they call on him, him being Christ, in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Not, not that I'm a preacher. I'm not a pastor. Don't get me wrong. But, and I'm not going to make this podcast a Bible study. But the Bible has a lot to say about how we are to live, how we should live. And I really think we've fallen away from that. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, can you, I mean, can you go read the Ten Commandments? Do you really think that it's a bad standard to have? I mean, our laws are based upon it. 
Our courts are based upon it. Justice is based upon it. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't go sleep with your neighbor's wife. I mean, come on. These are. I don't think you have to be a Christian to say these are good things. And having said that, I've got to tell you, you know, the statistics show that 70%, so 7 out of 10 Americans identify as Christian. If that's so, if that's true, how does any politician get elected? How does any leader get elected that supports abortion? How does any leader get elected that supports homosexuality, pedophilia, all these sexual perversions that are coming out of the LGBTQ movement? All right, supporting socialism, supporting open borders. I mean, how does any one of these people get elected? Either you're lying about, they're lying about being Christian, or, and this is, and that's possible, but what I think the greater thing is, I think the church has grown, not cold, but, but lukewarm. Uh, I recommend you go read Revelation on the lukewarm church. Um, the church needs to be salt, it needs to be light flavor to the world and it's lost its flavor uh, we need to be we need to be all of these things and, and, and we can do it we can do it with love we can do it with caring about our neighbor you know what a, what a, when G, they asked Jesus what are the two greatest commandments what, he, or they asked him what is the greatest commandment he said these are the greatest commandments to love the Lord with all your heart to love your neighbor as yourself and these two all the other laws are wrapped up in. If you love God, you're going to want to do things that please Him. You're going to want to obey Him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to be stealing from Him. You're not going to be killing Him or sleeping with His wife. You're not going to do these things. And how many times I got, I mean, honestly, I see my own pastor on Instagram and on social media trying to say things and people that go to that church really just, just coming down on them for it. And it's like, really? Really? I, I, I question, I don't question your salvation, but I do question your relationship with Christ. Are you really being obedient? Are you really reading the Word of God and being obedient to it? So that's kind of what I want to bring here. Um, look, if you're, if you're a Christian, I mean, if you're a Christian, everybody should know by just watching your life, okay? If you're not a Christian, I encourage you just to listen. All right, be challenged by this podcast. That's what I want to do. I don't want to debate you. I don't want to argue with you. I'm still going to provide... Uh, I, I still want to talk about, about reality, okay? Data, facts. Looking at things as they are, but also weighing them against the Bible. Weighing them against the Word of God. All right, we really... Guys, I really feel we need another great awakening in the United States. In the world, really. But... Because without that, the standard just isn't there. It just becomes legalism, and that's it. Uh, look, as a Christian, we, we believe that Christ, Christ could be coming back any day. But it could be tomorrow. It could be 100 years from now. All we know is it's coming. Every day is a day closer. And, and, and we can't rest on our laurels. All right, Luke 19. In Luke 19, if you read this, he, he you know, it's, it's a story about a master who gave 10 servants money. Some invested it, and they made more money. Okay, but, but, but one, one of those servants, he just hid the money away. And they gave it back to his master when his master returned. And he was punished because he wasn't doing anything. He was lazy. 
he just went and stuck it in this and hid it away. I figured, well, I'll just live this way and give him back what he already has when he comes back. We need to occupy until he comes. We need to keep about the Lord's work, not rest on our laurels, not get complacent. So I'm going to leave you with that to think about uh, for now. Okay, uh, this is the direction the podcast is going to go. I encourage you to please stay tuned. I'm going to try and get these out uh, hopefully every Monday, uh, maybe Tuesday. And um, we're going to cover current events, things that are happening. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of Bible going there because you know what, guys? I'm a Christian and that's just the way it is. And everything I do, I weigh against the Word of God. But it's also going to have a lot of data, a lot of facts. So you can expect the same as before, um, and, but, but with a little bit more of me in it. Yes, a little bit more of my personal life in it, my personal beliefs, my, my, the, the way I, I'm seeing things. And I, I just hope it challenges you. I hope it you don't tune out. Even if you disagree, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not looking to debate you or argue with you. I just want you to listen. Let it challenge you. And if you decide that's not for you, that's okay. That's okay. So, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Just moving on. Um, again, let it challenge you. So many people, they come across social media posts, videos, whatever. They get so angry. They just want to argue and they want to yell and they want to scream and they want to debate. They're like people who come across, they're walking through the park and they come across the pile of dog poop and they don't, they purposely step in it instead of just simply walking around. If you don't like what I have to say, that's fine. Just walk around. That's it. All right. <laughs> Even if you don't want to be challenged by it and you just want it, you're not interested, then just move on by. It's okay. I won't be offended. I just hope you don't. I hope you listen to me. I hope you listen to others and let it challenge you with really strengthen your own beliefs. Go search the scriptures for yourself. Go look at the data for yourself. I was encouraging that before when I was going through all the data that I had. I don't know how many did, but it's all out there and I posted all the links on it and I'll continue to do that as well. So moving forward, we're at the, uh, this is Thanksgiving week. I love the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I'm going to go ahead and after this, keep on listening because I'm going to I'm going to tack this on at the beginning of the Thanksgiving podcast I did, I think is in 2019. So it, you can stop now if you've already heard that. You don't want to hear it again. But otherwise, I encourage you to stay tuned here. And right after I sign off here, it's going to continue on playing with giving a history of the Thanksgiving holiday and the meaning of that holiday and how really great an American and Christian holiday that is. So again, until next week. Uh, this is this is the voice of X, and uh, we'll be seeing you on a weekly basis. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to a, another episode of Voice of X. Um, again, just to kind of reiterate that there's no set time to these. I'm going to try and have one out every Thursday, um, but there's no set time to them. Um, it could be 10 minutes long. It could be an hour long. I don't know. depends on how long I talk or what the subject is, to be honest with you. It's more difficult to talk than I thought. Um, I mean, my hat's off to everybody in radio, especially talk radio. Um, I don't know how you keep your voices, and I don't just don't know how you find something to say for three hours at a time, to be honest with you. Um, so my hat's off to you guys. Great job on it. But coming up on Thanksgiving next week, uh, I really want to do an episode specifically on that. I uh, was going to do something on, have something a little bit different, but with the holidays coming up, <clears throat> I really wanted to do an episode on that. So uh, just to kick off, you know, 
here in the United States, uh, we're in the throes of what we call the holiday season. Um, there's a lot of holidays that take place in this time between October to January. Um, different religious holidays, obviously, um, Hindu holidays, uh, Kwanzaa, not really a holiday, but that's, there's all kinds in there. But really, overall, um, the Halloween season is kind of understood to start with Halloween and end with New Year's. And um, Christmas really being the big holiday of that season. Uh, this is the United States. <clears throat> the founders were, uh, they, they were Christian for the most part. And so most of our holidays have revolved around Christian holidays. So Christmas is the big one. But you'll notice every year after Halloween, uh, Christmas lights, decorations, uh, they seem to go up earlier and earlier. Stores start putting their Christmas goods out literally right after Halloween. I mean, guys, the week after Halloween, I started noticing people putting up their Christmas lights already. I mean, traditionally, we always put up the day after Thanksgiving. That was the start of the, Hall of the, uh, the I'm sorry, of the Christmas season. You know, the, that was Black Friday. That weekend, we would put up all of our Christmas lights. And um, now it's just people keep pushing it. They just kind of keep cramming it. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. They keep trying to jump into the Christmas into Christmas time sooner and sooner every year. There's a holiday in between there, guys, called Thanksgiving. And it's an awesome holiday. I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's awesome. And just because of what it is and because of its history, and it truly is a very religious holiday. No, we don't think of it that way. It's all people call it Turkey Day. That bothers the heck out of me. It's not about turkeys, guys. Um, or it's about football, or about partying, or a lot of people now, I mean, I don't know about where you're at, but where I'm at, I mean, kids are getting a week off at Thanksgiving, the whole week off. So people are taking off on vacation, just, uh, it's not about family getting together anymore and, 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 and giving thanks, you know, it just kind of seems to be getting skipped over as people rush into Christmas time. So I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about this really, truly wonderful holiday. Thanksgiving, it dates back several centuries and derives mostly from these religious traditions in Europe. Um, originally, a day of Thanksgiving could be declared any time of the year. I mean, it wasn't a set day every year. It was just um, in the early 17th century, a day of Thanksgiving was declared by a religious leader as a time for contemplation, prayer, and often fasting in response to a special act of divine providence or blessing. So it wasn't necessarily a set date every year, you might have more than one. They just declare this day or the day coming up to be a day of thanksgiving to give thanks and reflect and pray upon um, uh, how the Lord, how God stepped in and, and, and did something for them and blessed them in their, in their lives or their nation. Um, <clears throat> thanksgiving, uh, the Thanksgiving commonly thought of by modern Americans, uh, took place in 1621 at the Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts. We all know it. We all remember seeing the pictures and studying it in elementary school. That's traditionally the Thanksgiving that we think of in the United States. Now, this was not actually the first um, Thanksgiving celebrated in the United States, however. All right? In 1598, over 20 years before, uh, before the pilgrims and the Native Americans dined at Plymouth, and um, 20 years before, in 1598, the Spanish conquistador celebrated a day of Thanksgiving at San Elisario, in present-day Texas, and I, I could be wrong. I think that's near San Antonio, <clears throat> but either way, it was a place called San Elisario, Texas, and 
Spanish conquistador celebrated a day of Thanksgiving there. So there were it was actually Thanksgiving going on before that because, I mean, the Spaniards were here before the pilgrims arrived in uh, Maine and Plymouth area. We all associate turkey with Thanksgiving. Um, I love turkey, guys. It's awesome whether you buy it at the store, you go out and catch it, you know, hunt it yourself. Um, and it's commonly associated with our Thanksgiving holiday. But it's not specifically named as one of the foods that the pilgrims and the Indians ate uh, during the, that first Plymouth Thanksgiving. And now, <clears throat> pardon me, my throat's a little bit of dry weather here, but folks have jumped on this and they're trying to be smarty pants about it, like doing a lot of other things. Whoa, look, turkey wasn't part of the first Thanksgiving. It's all baloney. That tradition's baloney. Well, it very possibly was. It just wasn't listed. Wild fowl was listed. It depends on what account you read. Um, but it very possibly was. Um, it possibly wasn't, too. But that doesn't mean it wasn't. But traditionally, by today's standards, we traditionally have turkey at Thanksgiving time. So that's really all that matters, right? Okay, uh, some foods that were there at that first Thanksgiving, <clears throat> you might be surprised, shellfish, clams, lobsters, um, possibly turkey, but definitely wild fowl, probably geese, passenger pigeons, which were used to, uh, reports of them used to bl actually black out the sky and blot out the sun when they would fly over so many millions of them. They're extinct now, they were hunted into extinction, but those were likely part of the wild fowl. Cornbread, hoe cakes, berries, and venison, deer. <clears throat> All right, uh, another fact for you, George Washington was the first to issue a presidential Thanksgiving proclamation. All right, during the Revolutionary War, uh, even, uh, I should say that's the presidential proclamation. Even before that, when he was a general during the Revolutionary War, Washington would order special Thanksgiving services for his troops after a successful battle to give thanks uh, for the provision of God and the blessings he had upon, upon, their, um, upon the Revolutionary War and upon the battles they were fighting. So when he would, they would have successful ones, he would declare Thanksgiving with the first. He was also the one to, to, to proclaim the first uh, presidential Thanksgiving. <clears throat> some other quotes from, uh, from some of the early founders I have here. There's a lot of them, but I'm just going to go through a few. <clears throat> John Hancock. Uh, you guys know him. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody knows John Hancock. But one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. All right. He said, in consideration of the many undeserved blessings conferred upon us by God, the Father of all mercies, it becomes us not only in our private and usual devotion to express our obligations to Him, as well our dependence upon Him, but also specially to set apart a day to be employed for this great and important purpose. In October 1779, the Continental Congress proclaimed, uh, this is what they said, resolved that it be recommended to the several states to appoint Thursday the 9th of December next to be a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God for His mercies and of prayer, for the continuance of His favor and protection of these United States, to beseech Him that He would be graciously pleased to influence our public councils and bless them with wisdom from on high, with unanimity, firmness, and success. John Adams, in 1778, or sorry, 1798, <clears throat> said, And finally, I recommend that on the said day, the duties of humiliation and prayer be accompanied by fervent thanksgiving to the bestower of every good gift, 
not only for having hitherto protected and preserved the people of these United States in the independent enjoyment of their religious and civil freedom, but also for having prospered them in a wonderful progress of population and for conferring on them many and great favors conducive to the happiness and prosperity of a nation. On November 11th, 1779, Thomas Jefferson, whom, you know, <clears throat> We all know a lot of people try and paint him as this deist at best and ripping out the, the, the miracles from the Bible. But <clears throat> a lot of controversy has been going on about Thomas Jefferson and, and just how Christian he really was. But in seven, on November 11, 1779, Thomas Jefferson said, I do therefore, by authority from the General Assembly, issue this my proclamation, hereby appointing Thursday, the ninth day of December next, a day of public and solemn thanksgiving and prayer to Almighty God, earnestly recommending to all the good people of this commonwealth to set apart the said day for those purposes, and to the several ministers of religion to meet their respective societies thereon, to assist them in their prayers, edify them with their discourses, and generally to perform the sacred duties of their function proper for the occasion. <laughs> now, there's a lot more, guys. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, there's a whole lot of these. If you go and look them up, Information Age, you know, just go look them up yourself. But there's a lot of them. Thanksgiving was was an important part of our nation in giving thanks for the blessings from that came from on high. All right. Um, moving on with Thanksgiving and the holidays we know it today, um, many of you probably have never heard of Sarah Josepha Hale. Or maybe you have, but you'll know her as the author of the classic nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. And she's the person that's really most responsible for making Thanksgiving a national holiday. <clears throat> Prior to 1863, the holiday was largely a celebration held in New England. It was pretty much unknown in the southern states. Well, Hale proposed that it be a national holiday in 1846 and advocated for it for 17 years before finally convincing Abraham Lincoln to support legislation establishing a national holiday of Thanksgiving in 1863. In fact, Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of the American Civil War, prompted by her series of editorials, uh, he proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be celebrated on the 26th, the final uh, Thursday of November in 1863. Now, from 1863 to 1939, uh, the president annually issued a proclamation for a day of Thanksgiving to fall on the last Thursday of November. Now, Canada declared Thanksgiving a national holiday in 1879, just as a side note there. Um, but in 1939, Franklin Delano Roosevelt changed Thanksgiving to the second to last Thursday of the month, uh, November, because he wanted to lengthen the Christmas shopping season. Now, that lasts until 1941, when Congress passed a joint resolution fixing the date of Thanksgiving to the final Thursday of November, where it remains to this day. It's still the last day in November is when we celebrate Thanksgiving in the United States. <clears throat> now, uh, look, all those aside, I know people are going to nitpick and say, well, founders said this, founders did that. Everybody's always trying to focus on the evils of man in the past. And look, guys, people aren't perfect. They screwed up. Okay, they make mistakes. But this nation started as a Christian nation. It, 
is still continue it continued to to prosper as a Christian nation and to and, and to do great things as a Christian nation. Were there mistakes made? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, please, this is episode is not about nitpicking what they've said. We can go into that on a different episode. This is really just about talking about Thanksgiving and about the the greatness of this holiday. And so, with that, I'd like to read you a true story that is no less miraculous than the story of Joseph from the Bible. If you remember Joseph. Uh, um, and his coat of many colors, how he was, you know, his brothers were jealous and uh, sold him into slavery, and he was sold in Egypt and <clears throat> thrown in prison and, and wrongly accused before finally being, being rescued by the Pharaoh, made second in command of Egypt, only to find that God had plans for his life so that he could save the nation of Israel, so he could save his people. This story is no less miraculous than that, and it's a great Thanksgiving story, but I have to give credit for this. Uh, to Chuck Missler, who has since passed on uh, and gone on to be with the Lord, but he has a, uh, a Thanksgiving, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, recording that he's done that I listen to every year. <clears throat> you, can, you can go ahead and read the transcripts to it or, or even purchase, the, purchase that, uh, uh, that MP3 if you go to www.khouse.org. And listen to it there, but I got to give him credit for the story and the, the way, and I can't present it as good as he does, but um, I will do my best. Okay, so the early settlers of America, um, they braved incredible difficulties. Um, and I mean, tremendously difficult, difficult times when they came to the United States. They gave up a lot to come here for their religious freedoms. We can hardly imagine uh, what they had to endure, what they had to go through to make a new life for themselves here in this new land. The turning point, though, for them began <clears throat> during all these hardships. People were dying. The, the harsh winters of the Northeast were very difficult on them. But the turning point began one Friday in the middle of March in 1621 when an Indian or a Native American wearing nothing but a loincloth came walking up their main street, went into their common house, and startled all of them when, in perfect English, he said, Welcome! Yeah, his name was Samoset. He was a chief of the Algonquins, and he'd been visiting the area for about eight months, and he learned his English from various fishing captains who had come into Maine and, uh, and, and come into shore over the years, different sailors. Okay, so he left, and he returned the following Thursday with another Native American, a Patuxet, who also spoke even better English than he did. And this young man was the, is the one who we're going to tell the story about. It proved to be a, as Chuck Messer said, a special instrument of God for their good beyond their expectation. Well, his name was Tesquantum, also called, you probably know him as Squanto. Uh, his story began in about, or uh, in 1605. Uh, when Squanto and four of his buddies, they were, they were captured and they were sent to England. There they were taught English. Um, they were educated a little bit and taught how to speak English, mostly so that they could give um, information and background and intelligence on some of the most favor favorable places uh, in the new land to establish colonies. He was in England for nine years. Finally, Squanto was able to come back to Plymouth on Captain John Smith's voyage in 1614. You remember Captain John Smith? He was rescued in a previous voyage by um, Pocahontas. Well, he came back in 1614. Squanto came with him. Well, after coming back, Squanto and 27 others was lured and captured again uh, by a notorious fellow by the name of Captain Thomas Hunt. Uh, Captain Thomas Hunt 
took Squanto and his buddies to Malaga, Spain. Malaga, Spain was a major slave trading center um, in that time. And Squanto, but, but I should say Squanto and a few of the others that were with him, they were purchased and rescued by some local friars. When this happened, they began to introduce Squanto to the Christian faith. So you can see how God was already preparing him for the role that he would ultimately play in Plymouth. And it's, it's going to get even greater, guys. It, trust me, it's going to get even better. And you can see his hand in preparing this young man for what he had planned coming down the future, in the future. So eventually, Swano was able to kind of uh, attach himself to this Englishman uh, who was headed back to London. He went there and he joined that family uh, who was a wealthy merchant. And after, after getting there, spending some time there, he ultimately left for New England in 1619. He stepped ashore in New England just six months before the pilgrims landed in 1620. But here's the thing. When he stepped ashore, he was met with tragedy. Not a single man, woman, or child of his tribe was left alive. See, during the previous four years, a mysterious plague had broke out among his tribe, killing every last one of them. And so complete was this devastation to his tribe that the neighboring tribes, they didn't even go to this place. They didn't go near this place because they thought it was cursed. And now this tribe, this Patuxas, they were extremely hostile uh, to any... Um, colonists and any Englishmen or white people that came to land, they killed them right away. They had some problems with them in the past. They were mad about them, about people coming up and kidnapping their people, but they became extraordinarily hostile. And had they been there when the pilgrims landed, they would have slaughtered every last one of them. Now, what this mysterious plague was, nobody really knows for sure. Of course, they're always pointing to saying, well, it was the Europeans who came here and wiped them. It very well could have been. They called it smallpox, um, uh, hepatitis, uh, there were some others that I read, but nobody knows for sure. And it's very possible and plausible that it was related to the colonists who had been arriving and the people who had been coming in and doing business and trading on the shores. Um, but anyway, so complete, like I said, was the devastation of this tribe that none of, none of the other tribes came to the area. So it, they just left it alone. Nobody was there. It was cleared, ready to live on, and nobody there. The pilgrims settled in this cleared area that didn't belong to anybody anymore. It had been cleared, ready to move in, and so this is where they came and sat down at. The nearest neighbors were the Wampanoags. Uh, they were about 50 miles to the southwest of where the, the pilgrims had landed. So now back to Squanto. Uh, he's been stripped of everything he has. He doesn't really have any reason for really living anymore, and so he just kind of wandered aimlessly until he joined the Wampanoags. Um, he had nowhere else to go, so he started hanging out with them and um, just doing whatever. Uh, but, you know, God really had some, you can see how God's going to have some other plans for this young man. Okay, Massasoit, um, or Massasoit, however you pronounce it, um, he was a chief of the Wampanoags. He entered into a peace treaty of mutual aid with the Plymouth Colony. And this, this peace treaty lasted as a model for 40 years. Okay, and this was all thanks to Squanto being there. And when Massasoit and all of the guys who were with him after this, they left, Squanto stayed behind because he, he had found his reason for being. These New English, these pilgrims, uh, they were absolutely helpless. They couldn't take care of themselves. And so Squanto taught them how to do it. He taught them how to catch eels, how to stock deer, how to refine maple syrup. 
uh, how to discern between the different types of plants that were good for, for um, medicine, how to plant pumpkins. Um, but perhaps the most important thing he taught them <clears throat> was how to plant corn. And in the United States, corn is an extraordinarily important grain, right? Okay, so do this. They, they, they dug up the ground in, in these squares, about six, seven foot squares. Um, and then they put a few kernels in the middle of these squares. And then they would bury fish around the kernels just as fertilizer, uh, three or four fish, something like that. Uh, and then they would have to guard this field against animals that would come in and try and take up the fish because obviously there's food buried in the ground. So they have to protect it and make sure that these animals didn't come in and dig it up and eat the fertilizer. Well, by that following summer, they had grown 20 full acres of corn. That would save every one of their lives. I mean, the corn became a, a hugely important grain that helped these people survive. Squanto also taught them how to... Um, utilized the pelts of the beaver, which were in huge supply and in huge demand um, in Europe for high fashion. Uh, he even showed them how to, um, how to make, tra how to make tra uh, good deals in their trading so that he'd get really good prices for the top quality pelts. So you had the corn, saved their lives physically, and the beavers, the beaver pelts, they saved them financially and economically. The pilgrims were a grateful people. They were grateful to God, and they were grateful to their, their new Indian friends and the Wampanoags, and they were extremely grateful to Squanto. So grateful, as we talked about before, Governor Bradford declared a day of public thanksgiving, and it was going to be held in October. <laughs> now, Massasoit, from the Wampanoags, he was invited, but he came a day early, and he brought 90 of his fellow Wampanoags. Now to feed such a huge amount of people uh, would dip heavily into the pilgrim stores for the winter. They were worried, but they learned through all of the trials that they'd gone through that God could be trusted to take care of them. Well, as it turned out, the Indians, they didn't come empty-handed, all right? They brought, um, according to, 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 to some of the writings, they brought five deer and more than a dozen fat wild fowl or possibly wild turkeys. Okay, they helped, with the, uh, they helped with the preparations. They taught the pilgrim women how to, uh, how to make, um, we talked about it before, hoe cakes, um, cornmeal, uh, maple syrup, and they showed them how to make one of their favorites. And you'll remember this from when you were a little kid. I, I, I taught, we talked about it, my kids talked about it, and you probably enjoy it every time you go to the movies. Popcorn. The Indians showed them how to make popcorn. Had to have been Miraculous for these people to see the roasting of corn and have it pop inside out and turn to popcorn. But yeah, that was ended up being one of their favorites. They, they taught them how to do that. So each time you go back to the theater, remember that, all right? Well, the pilgrims in turn, they provided a lot of their own vegetables that they'd brought with them and grown in their gardens, carrots, onions, uh, turnips, parsnips, cucumbers, radishes, beets, and cabbages. Also, they used some of their, uh, their flour, which was extremely valuable to them, um, because there were, they didn't, the only grain that they had available to them to grow at this time was corn. So the flour was very valuable to them. And they showed them how to use some of these uh, summer fruits, which the Indians had dried. The, the pilgrims showed them how to make pies, blueberry pie, apple pie, cherry pies, um, along with some sweet wine they made from wild grapes. And they had a great time. They partied and they feasted and they gave thanks for all of the Lord's blessings. Uh, now the pilgrims and the Indians... 
They also competed in contests during this first Thanksgiving. Uh, common things they would have done would be foot races. You know, they'd be racing, uh, wrestling, uh, shooting, uh, shooting contests. In fact, things went so well during this first Thanksgiving um, that it was extended for three days. Three days, guys, of, of, of Thanksgiving feasting and giving thanks and just a great time. They were so grateful for what they had. But the moment that stood out most of the pilgrims uh, was William Brewster's prayer as they, when they first began the Thanksgiving festival. They had so much to be thankful for to God. He provided for all their needs. Uh, he provided Squanto, who taught them and guided them to help them survive that next winter. He became their great friend. And uh, so you can really see God's hand in the founding of this nation. I encourage you to look to heaven and give thanks for God's provision. Don't focus on what you don't have this, this Thanksgiving season, guys, or what you're lacking. But look at your life and all he's done for you. Even if you're not a Christian, you guys, come on. You've, been, you've got to be blessed. I mean, you could even be down in the dumps, but at least you, you still have a breath to draw. If you live in the United States, even the poorest among the United States are some of the richest in the world. Guys, you have a lot to be thankful for. So what I really... Uh, Look, in 2019, 65% of polled American adults identified themselves as Christians. 65%, guys, 65%. That's a vast majority. All right, if this is true, then I encourage you guys to spend time in the Word of God. Don't just read it. Obey it. If 65% of this country is truly Christian, then I fail to see how. We accept so many of the evils that we do in this, in this nation. It's time to stand up for righteousness, not in hate, not in anger, but in love and drawing a line in the sand and saying no further. Guys, Jesus Christ can save our nation. But as 2 Chronicles 7.14 states, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will hear their land. Guys, it's not too late. God's still in the miracle business. All right, but you have to start with yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn back to God. Ask for His healing. Guys, we can have another great awakening. It can happen. God still works miracles. Now with that, this coming Thanksgiving season, I want to I leave you with a reading of George Washington's Thanksgiving Day Proclamation. I implore you to listen to its words, take them to heart, and let them inspire you to do better for your fellow man. Here it is. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, 
who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of this providence which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil, civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, and to increase the, and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, George Washington. Thank you for listening to The Voice of X. Happy Thanksgiving, and God bless. Thank you.